blessed week in the Lord Jesus Christ since we came together last week to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that was our subject that we began. And uh, what we want to be is true worshipers seeking the true God in spirit and in truth. And that was the Lord's description of what true worship is. So we want to study this from every biblical angle, and we want to really know what that means. Uh, in order to be pleasing and have our worship acceptable for God. So turn to John chapter 4 with me, if you would. John chapter 4. <clears throat> We're going to start there again. This is kind of our foundational uh, text that we're going to be over. It was last week, this week. Next week, for sure, we'll see what the Lord works and leads to after that. But John chapter 4. There Jesus had to go through Samaria. And there he came to the well where there was water. It was the well that this Samaritan woman will tell him that uh, our fathers, Jacob and Joseph, gave to us. And they, she starts asking him about worship. And so if you're with me there in John chapter 4, we'll start in verse 19 as he begins to tell her about worship. And he, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, our fathers worship here on this mountain, and you, the, the Jewish people, they say that we have to worship in Jerusalem and to worship the Father. And Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. Did you know that? You can worship in a way that you don't know. Uh, you don't know what you're trying to do in worship. The Jews know what they're trying to do in worship, but yet their heart is not always in it. They have a, a faith of belief of what the words say, but not a heart. You guys seem to have a heart, but you don't know the word part. So Jesus said, but the hour is coming, and it now is, that the true worshipers, isn't that what we want to be? He said, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. For God is a spirit, and they who worship Him must, oh, that's a big word, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's a wonderful section of Scripture. It is the touchstone of what kind of worship God expects. So, since we have read that passage, let's take a moment to go to God in prayer. And you pray and cleanse your mind and get ready for the receiving of the word. And I'll, I'll pray that the Lord allows me to speak through his Holy Spirit to you. And we will study this passage. sit there at that well with that woman 2,000 years ago. But you knew we was going to be studying this this day because your word is alive and powerful. It's living and breathing. It continues to go. It will not fade away. It will not pass away. So Father, you knew we would study this today and that how it should apply to our lives. And so Father, as we break open your holy and divine word, I pray that the Holy Spirit who is within us 
would open up our heart, our mind, our understanding so that we can see the true depth and meaning of this passage and what you desire from us as worship and what you've done for us in salvation. And Father, may our worship this day be holy and acceptable unto you. May you be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship. True worship. You know, this passage right here mentions the word worship ten times in eight verses. I think it's important. I think that's what Jesus wanted us to focus on. She had a question and he wanted to answer it. And he wanted to say what true worship is because the world and all of the different sections of it have different beliefs and understanding of what it means to worship. But he says that there is a thing called true worship and true worshipers and how we're going to do it. And we studied, there's, there's several that were here this week that weren't here last week, so I'm going to give about two minutes to catch us up to speed. We talked about the basics of what worship is, and that worship is shakak in the Hebrew or proskuneo in the Greek, and that almost proskuneo or worship is almost a, a sound of what it means to do. It means to either bend or to prostrate, like proskuneo, and actually touch the forehead to the floor as if you were kissing the ground. And it also means to kiss toward one who is your supreme, one who is above you, who is, who is uh, in a higher situation. So you, in reverence and in awe, you bow before that person and kiss toward in, in loving adoration. And they said that it's, it, in our modern day, it would be like how your, your loving dog would come and how he gets before you and licks your hand and lets you know that he loves you. That's kind of a picture of us before God in that loving way that we come and that we want to kiss toward the hand of God for all that he has done. You know, we were saved and we think, man, I had such a, such a vision of why I should be saved was because I don't want to go to hell. Because I don't want to suffer eternal punishment. But you know what God's version of, of why he saves us is? So that we can worship him. So that we can give him glory and honor and praise. That's why he, if, if he just wanted to keep us out of hell, he didn't even have to create us, did he? We didn't even have to be here. But God seeks those who would worship him. And that's why he has created us. And that's why he loves us. And that's why he sent his son to save us. So that we can be called out to worship him. And Jesus said it's in spirit and in truth. You've got to do it in both ways. And we learned that spirit was from you, from your heart, from your very being, the depths of your bowels. That is the spirit working within you that is a true significance of your worship that you give when you kiss toward the Father. And truth is the word of God. When Jesus was before Pilate at that crucifixion, Pilate asked him, what is truth? And Jesus said, the Father's word is truth. So to worship God as a true worshiper is spirit from who you are. And it is in truth according to the principles laid out 
in the Word of God. And then we began to study as, as one of the pictures of this last week. We took a look at Exodus chapter 30 and 25. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Exodus 30, we're going to touch off from there again on our new stuff. But there we saw in those two, two chapters how that, you know, in, in creation, when God made the heaven and the earth, the whole thing from before the beginning all the way till man was here. In that seven days, God used one chapter and 31 verses to tell us everything. But you know, just in making the tabernacle and in making the, the articles that are in it, he spent seven chapters and 243 verses explaining just that. Not the Ten Commandments, not the other things, not how to offer up the sacrifices. Those come in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and different things. And Exodus 20 is, is the Ten Commandments. But... Just on building the place, the tabernacle, where God was going to meet them at, and the articles of worship in there, seven chapters, 243 verses, explaining in detail. We looked last week at the oil of anointing and the holy incense, and how the, both of those had a special formula that, that God said, you will use this much of this spice, this much of this one. And the art of the perfumer will put those together. And they will be used only in worship for me. They won't be for you. You won't make them for your personal use. You won't make it to be just casually tossed around or smell good. This is special unto me. And it is holy unto me. And then if you're there in Exodus 30... It's the altar. We're going to dig a little deeper now, beginning there in verse 6. We're going to dig a little deeper into this as, as we go. So the altar, this altar that those incense were going to be offered up upon, it, that represents worship. The, the altar always represented the, the, the source of the worship and your sacrifice or your offering, your, your spirit being offered up in that and to God. And so he goes on to explain about how, how high, how deep, the size, the type of wood that you're going to use. You're going to overlay it in gold. You're going to put rings on the side with staves. It's going to be covered in gold and made of acacia wood. And he just goes into the details about this altar and the horns that are going to be on it. And then he says this, you're going to place it in a certain place. It's going to go in the tabernacle next to the veil before you enter into the Holy of Holies. And then he says this in verse 7. He says how you're supposed to do the worship. Aaron, the priest, shall burn on it that altar of incense, the sweet, fragrant incense on it. Every morning, every morning, he's going to go into that tabernacle with those incense. And he's going to offer incense and he's going to trim the lamps. So every morning, God's instructing what he expects the priest to do, what your service, what your role is. He says you're going to go in and you're going to tend to the lamps and you're going to offer this incense upon the coals. And so the, the high priest would take the coals in his censer and he would go in and so would the, just the, the other priests. They would have their priestly duties to do. And they would go in and they would put the coals on the altar. 
And only that mixture of incense would go on it. And he would trim the lamps as he would do it. Because you know what? The candelabra, the lampstand was in there. And on it was bowls. And those bowls held oil and the wick. And those were lit. The light of God in Israel was supposed to never go out. That would never go out. So every morning the priest would go in and offer up his incense of his life and his service to God. That's a sweet smell. It would arise and he would go over to the lamps and he would pour the oil in the bowls and he would trim the wicks and if the wick had burnt down he had other wicks. You know what? They took the wicks from their priestly garments that had been offered up in service when they would, would have the lambs and the different things and they would get bloody, they would cut those up and that would be offered up as the wicks for the lamps of the light of God. And he would go in and make sure that the light that represents Christ, the light of the world, would never go out. And those incense that represented you in your life and your prayers would go up before God as you entered into that service to make sure that that all took care of it and stayed with it. You know what? That might have been ordained almost 4,000 years ago, but it's a representation of our lives today. Do you know what you are? You're priests, just like that. And as priests, our daily life, if we would start our daily life in the morning, Standing before God, offering up on that altar of incense, only to God, as pure worship, my life today. Let my life this morning be as a pure, sweet smell to you, O Lord. And I check my lamps to make sure that my lamps are burning every day with the light of Jesus Christ. And that my lamps don't go out. That's what our role is. Because it says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6. That Christ who died for us purchased us and washed us with his own blood. And made us to be unto his God and Father a kingdom, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. That is what you are every morning. We keep straight, wouldn't we, if every morning we started off with our incense and our lamp ready to go for the day. And then there in Exodus 30, if you're reading on, it says that every night he went ahead and in the evening it had to be done again. Every morning at the start of the day, every night at the start of the night, you offered up your incense and your light before God. And it says it will be there in that text a holy thing unto him that is most holy. And it was perpetual. It never ends. My life in service unto God should be a never ending sweet perfume before him. And you'll look there. It says in verse uh, 9, you will not offer any strange incense on here or any other burnt offering or any meal offering or drink offering and any other type of thing. This is only an offering of your life, this sweet incense unto God. 
And you're going to do it twice a day. That's our worship, and that's what we are. Oh, we need a couple more scriptures, huh? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 12. I want to, I want to bring that into us today, then. Let's apply that today. Romans chapter 12, real quick. Paul spent 11 chapters going over doctrine. He starts out about the gospel of Christ, that it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles, to all of us. And he goes from salvation to all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, that thanks be to God that he didn't leave us that way, that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us, and that cross provided a way that we can come before him. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And after all of this, we were created to be something. What was it? Chapter 12 and verse 1. All of these things built in. He says, therefore, because you understand all of this and what God has done for you, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Holy. And what? Our life. We were born again to offer up as spiritual priests unto God spiritual sacrifices every day. Morning and night. The incense of a holy and acceptable life before God. Present your bodies as that incense. Holy, acceptable unto God. Did you realize there's some things that's unacceptable to God? We're going to get into some of those. But we are to be holy. And present your bodies as a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spirit. Spiritual service of what? Worship. There's our, there's our word we're looking at. My body each day in that spiritual sacrifice is worship. It's not just today when we meet here at 10. It is every day. Worship is proskuneo. On bended knee thanking God in my life. And I light that lamp within me and put that offering of incense Every morning, that is my reasonable service as a priest unto God, because that's what it was ordained to do back in Exodus chapter 30. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, we are then no longer conformed to this world, are we? Because we are a new holy nation and a royal priesthood. So we are no longer conformed to this world, but we are transformed. How did we get transformed? We renewed our what? Our mind. You know what that is? That's your spirit, isn't it? So our worship unto God, the service is in truth, but it comes from the renewing of our mind, that spirit. So we're worshiping God as a true believer in spirit and in truth. And it says that we then will be proved what the will of God is in all truth. And what is good and acceptable will of God. You know, whenever it says there that we prove it, that goes all the way back to David. 
Do you remember when he was getting ready to fight Goliath and that loud mouth was boasting and everybody else was afraid and he shows up and he says, I'm going to go. And they say, you're a pipsqueak. You can't go fight him. And he says, I killed a bear and a lion and God allowed me to do it. I grabbed that lion's hair by the chin and pulled his head down whenever I slew him. I looked right in his eyes. This uncircumcised Philistine will be no match for me. You know what Saul tried to do? Well, put my armor on. You know, put my emblem with you as you go out there. And you know what David told him? I can't wear this armor. You remember what he said? I haven't proven it. I haven't tested it. I'm only going to go out with what I've tested that is God's. And that's what this says. If you will take the word of God and if you will test it and prove it in your life every day, it's holy and acceptable unto God. He's going to put an armor upon you. You put that armor on each day. It's going to protect you from everything. And what was that song that we just sang, that, that new one? That we ain't going to be overtaken or overcome because you've got the armor on that's been proven and tested ever since Genesis chapter 1. Amen. Praise God. Now, so a person or a church who does not totally come on bended knee, prostrate and kissing toward God in spirit and in truth could then be unacceptable. There are unacceptable types of service, lives, and worship unto God. And you know what? God can even reject that and not accept it, and the world does not teach that today, does it? I, I don't hear anyone hardly out there. They're all trying to say, I got to fill the building, so I got to, I, I, I want everybody to think this and that, and it's almost like that this is a just a club and a party type thing. It's not really what it is. Worship is something totally different from being just joyous and being out there. Worship is is different. Let me give you an example. You know, back to Exodus 30 if you're still there. We hit on that briefly a minute ago, but I want I want to I want to go even deeper. We're going to go like an onion. We're going to go another layer deeper on this Exodus 30. And I, I went over it real quick while ago and I hope that I piqued your curiosity as we went across this. But look at verse 9 again real close. Verse 9 says you shall not offer any strange incense on this altar. You see that? You will not. I've given you from my word what I desire. You don't mix up anything else in that incense. When you offer that up as a sweet smell for me, it will be what I told you to do. Don't offer any strange incense upon my altar before me in my presence because it is holy unto me and God doesn't accept unholy things coming unto him. So true worship is that which is what God has prescribed for us to do. So now that we got that in mind and we're not going to have strange incense on the fire, I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10, we're going to see this in action. That's for the Levites. The Levites were the priests. That's us. And I'm going to tell you, if we would study the book of Leviticus, we would understand the holiness of God and what he wants and desires, taking those things and making spiritual applications to us as priests today. 
because this was the book for the priests on how to worship God. And it starts off in chapter 1 with like the burnt offering. And it goes through all of the different kinds of offering, the meal offering, the drink offerings, the sin offerings. And we get up to chapter 8. And if you want to go to chapter 8 and follow along before we get to 10, you can. But in, in chapter 8, we get to the ordination of the priest. And Aaron and his sons come there with Moses before God. And, and uh, the, the Lord uh, told him to, to offer up the bullock and put his hands there on the bullock and offer that. I'm going to go deeper maybe on Easter this year on that, on that picture right there for us. And then they did some other things. And then they anointed them with the holy oil. They anointed the, the, the tabernacle, the altar, and the priest. And then as the priest got ready to go and to be ordained and to serve, it says that they were washed. You've got to be baptized into Christ. You've got to be put on Christ as your garment. Because when you're washed and cleansed, you get to put on your garment, which was this robe here. And whenever you're washed, it says in the New Testament that when you're baptized into Christ, you put him on. Guess what your holy robe is now? It's Jesus Christ and his blood that has cleansed you. But they would put on, they all put on this tunic and they put on the sash and they put on the breastplate. And then they put on, lastly, that helmet, that turban. And if you can see, it's got a gold band around it. And I couldn't really get a good detailed picture of, of one. But in the Hebrew letters, engraved in that gold, it says, Holy unto God. When you are washed and cleansed and you put on Christ. You put on a new mindset that declares, you know what was on their forehead? We're talking about end times and what don't put certain marks on your forehead. In Ezekiel, the writer, and also in Revelation, before the stuff really hits, it says, go out and mark all of those who are mine with your writer's acorn on their forehead and identify who's mine. You know who mine are? Those who are in Christ, who have been clothed in Christ. And on their forehead, it says, holy under God. And you're not going to be touched by the things that come on. Now, we're not going to be touched by those things because we got a different thing upon our forehead. Holy under God. And after they had been all consecrated on this in chapter 9, you turn to the next chapter. They offered up that bullock under God. And when they did... Their worship that was acceptable. They had done everything as the Lord God had commanded them to do. And it says that that worship was acceptable. And fire came down from the God of heaven and consumed that offering that was on the altar there. And you know what the people did? It says in the last verse of chapter 9. They hit the ground. Proskuneo. They worshiped God. And they screamed, they shouted. It says when that fire came down and God showed himself before them because their worship was acceptable and he consecrated them, they hit the ground screaming, praising God and worship with both fear, reverence, and awe. That's what worship is. Now, 
what not acceptable worship is. That was all led up to this to tie in with Exodus chapter 30 that we just left from. Now we get to Leviticus chapter 10. That was acceptable. Let's look at something different now if you turn there with me. Nadab and Abihu, two sons of Aaron, they were also consecrated along with Aaron that day. They are now set apart as priests to worship God according, like he said in Exodus 30 and, and <coughs> the chapters leading up to here. And it says that they go and they get ready that day. They've been trained now. Their life's purpose is to worship God as priests in spirit and in truth and to offer this up every day. They pick up their censers with their coals and it says that they go into the altar before God. And then it says this in verse 1. They took their respective fire pans. After putting the fire in them, they placed incense on it. But they offered strange incense before the Lord. What did he say back in Exodus 30? Offering Right. No strange incense goes upon my altar, does it? And we already saw that that represents worship and life and everything like that rising up to God as a sweet smell directed in spirit and truth as he said these guys took what they wanted to give God oh we're going to go there in some time because same thing with Cain and Abel God directed what he wanted as worship and how my outline is and what I expect from you as you kiss towards me in reverence and awe. These guys took their fire pans and in their role, they went and they mixed up some strange thing and they put it upon the coals of the fire and when that incense went up before God, it wasn't a sweet smell. It says that it was strange fire, that this act of worship is strange fire. Any incense that is not according to the word of God is strange fire. It is strange incense. It is not acceptable. God did not accept this worship. And look at verse 2. Fire came down from the presence of God, and this time it didn't consume the offering. It consumed the offerers. It says that the fire from the presence of the Lord consumed them, and they died right there in service before the Lord. From the very presence of God, it came down. And he said, that was unacceptable for you to do that before me after I had directed you how to worship. And that, my friends, is serious stuff, isn't it? Makes you stop and think about what God expects. You know, Jesus himself said, God is seeking those to worship him, who desire to worship him in spirit and in truth, according to his word. So, now you know why I always harp on truth. And now you know why when you're asked or pressed in different ways to do it a different way that is not according to the word of God. You have to, in love, in a spirit of love and truth, say, but here's what the Bible says. And this is the way we have to do it. And if you 
What to do like Nadab and Abihu and go ahead and offer up strange fire, strange worship, unauthorized worship before God? You go ahead. I will quietly slip out, walk away, and see what other door God needs me to go. Because I cannot, in all good conscience, offer up worship that is not according to spirit and truth. The fire of God came down and incinerated them there. They became their own burnt offering before God. And a burnt offering is a sin offering. And the Lord God came to Moses and told him to go tell Aaron something. Look there at verse 3. Here is a grieving father. His two sons just was an offering back to God. The Lord has spoken to me, Aaron, and said this, and to the congregation of the people who have gathered around. Those who come near to me, I will be treated as holy. Before all the people, I will be honored. I'm going to repeat that. The Lord told me to tell you, Aaron, and your other two sons who will serve in the priesthood, that those who come before me and near me to worship me, they will treat me as holy, and you will do it in a way that I am honored before the people, and that is in spirit and in truth. That's a stern warning, isn't it? To us who are now priests of God and responsible for worshiping to Him. So I pray that as the body of Christ, each and every day, our lives are acceptable and holy. We go in every morning as we wake and offer up our incense and our lamps trimmed as a spiritual offering to God. Every evening we do the same in our life. Is Romans 12 holy and acceptable to God? I pray that we always have the mindset to treat God and to honor Him, to treat Him as holy, and to look at His Word for the guidance on everything that we do. So as our praise team returns and we get ready to praise God, this week the Lord has spoken mightily through His Word, hasn't He? Gave us a great example about worship and what he expects and then that there is a thing that is unacceptable and rejected before God and so may we come near to him and may we honor him and may we praise him and be acceptable and treat God as holy may we bow down before him and reverence him in all for the creator life sustainer and redeemer that he is because he redeemed us in order that we could praise him and bring him honor and glory and to worship him. Romans 12 again. Our bodies are a living sacrifice. I skipped over a scripture that says he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's where we are as friends of God. Let's pray. And Father, I just humbly bow before thy presence. And I pray that this worship service, our praise that began all the way through the reading of your word and all the way through the ending of this service is holy and acceptable 
that we honor you with all that we do always, and we are here to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. If there are those here who want to put on Christ and be redeemed, as your word said, and be washed, baptized into Christ, may their hearts be moved to do that this day. For those of us who have done that and we serve as priests, we pray, Father, that we will always be acceptable, but help us because it is so hard to do in this time that we live in. So please, Father, create a hedge of protection around us. Guide us into all truth. You said, I will give your spirit after I go and I leave you. I will give to you the spirit of God who will guide you into all truth. So, Father, we pray for that spiritual guidance of you and your word and your spirit. And we praise you for your son, Jesus, and what he did and your holy mercy. And we honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.